So, after all is said and done, things got a little strange, but here we are now. The final installment of Spyrokin's theme month of heists, holdups, and high-octane car chases. With a lot that had happened this time. Remember, this is the final episode, so we're going to be talking specifically about movies involving heists, and Dodecahedron Rules will return back to normal at the end of this episode. Either way, hope you guys enjoy. Hey guys, it's Zan. I just want to interject for a second. I know this is coming a little bit late. I do apologize. Things were kind of crazy. Life got away with us, so we weren't able to fully do an entire five weeks of this month, and, you know, I do apologize that this came out late, but... You know what? Let's have fun. Let's enjoy this because it's a fun podcast about two amazing movies. And let's get to it, shall we? This motion picture review contains adult language, mature situations, heists involving an odd number of casinos, criminal masterminds, hilarious circumstances, the Rat Pack, an iconic scene involving a water fountain, an ensemble cast, and minimal violence. Listener discretion is advised. Spark in Motion Picture Review, 006. You're going to need a crew just as crazy as you are. Who you got? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Spark in Motion Picture Review. I'm your host, Zan, saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjourno, what's up? Hey, it's Greta. Yes, and we are back for another fun-filled episode of this wonderful podcast. You can find www.sparkin.com, and more importantly, we are finishing up, finally, our month of heists. Hijacking and high-octane car crashes. And we've been talking about some of the best heist films out there and some of the more obscure heist films out there. We talked about The Town, starring Matt Damon. Well, Ben Affleck, actually. We talked about A Fish Called Wanda, which was starring an ensemble cast, including two of the Monty Python boys, John Cleese and uh, Michael Palin. We talked about Henry's Crime, a movie starring Keanu Reeves and James Caan. And now... To finish it out, we're going to be doing something a little bit differently. But beforehand, since we've been doing something a little bit different, remember you can check out any of our earlier episodes at www.spyrokin.com. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and various other social media sites. Just type in S-P-I-R-A-K-N, and I guarantee you'll find us. We've got over 700 episodes, and more importantly than that, more importantly than that, remember to like us, follow us, and comment on us. You know, we always love hearing from you guys. You can email me personally at Zan, that's X-A-N, at Spyrokin.com. And with that out of the way, now we can actually talk about heist films because we're at the last one. We've talked about so much in this and been pretty informative. And the last thing I wanted to touch upon is we've talked about the crew. We've talked about what makes a heist movie amazing. We've talked about what factors they'll have to fight in order to get a heist taken care of because there's so many bad things. But... The big question is what happens at the end of a heist film. And that's kind of important because in this episode we're actually talking about two movies. A re- a original film and its re- modern remake, which the modern remake is considered one of the best films in the genre itself. And the original one was a little more, it was a template. However, we're going to talk about what happens at the end of the heist. The original one was awesome, just to clarify. 
It well, just doesn't hold up as well today. And we're going to get into that. But our big thing is, what happens at the end of a heist film? You have completed the heist film. What is going to happen? There are three possible options. Option number one in most heist films is you are going to get away with it. In the modern heist film, you will get away with it, but, or you're, which is happening, or you're going to get away but not scot-free. Something is going to go wrong. You're going to end up like in the town, which we talked about. That ending is he has to run away, doesn't get his money, and is alone. Another one, person flies to Cabo, never comes back. That's the first option in doing a heist film. The second option, the second result, is what happens in most old heist films. And these are the ones which are not the modern ones because back in the day, it was the bad guy could not win or a villain could not win. And there wasn't necessarily censorship. It was just, uh, well, it was kind of censorship. But this is what's really going to happen if anyone tries to attempt a heist. And that is you're going to lose in some way. You're going to go to jail. You're going to die. Uh... One of the most famous you heists. Don't get the money. You're not going to get the money. You're going to lose the money, or you heist. Or the jewels, or the. Or it turns out the jewels are fake, or all the things that we're fighting for was for, for not. There's a, a famous movie, where a couple kills their one of the members because he has a winning lottery ticket. And at the end of it, after they do all the stuff, it turns out the lottery ticket that he fake was a fake, and all these horrible things happened because they were greedy, and that's what happened to them, and that's what happens in a lot of these movies. They get. Screwed. The final thing that happens is they have a turn of heart and they end up returning the money or using the money to do something good. That's one of the rare heist films, but it does happen occasionally. But we digress because this is a film where two, well, these two films have two of those results happening. And to make it easier, we're going to actually go in chronological order. So the first of the two films that we're talking about is the original. This is a movie that was directed by Lewis Milestone back in 1960. That's an old film. And it's starring five members of a certain music group. Also known as well, the Rat Pack. Yes, we have Joey Bishop, Sammy Davis Jr., Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, and Peter Lawford. Now, if you are not old enough to remember the Rat Pack or have heard of the Rat Pack, pretty much they were... A group of singers that work together. Think BTS. Or AK, thir- AKB. Uh, but if you know who Michael Buble is, he sings their songs. He does. But the thing is, they were a group of singers that would go places and they'd work together. It'd be like, you know... They you all had individual careers. It wasn't just a collaborative. It wasn't a boy band. They all had individual careers. It's just that they, they all sang similarly enough and were friends and would hang out together and then when they would hang out together and sing together people loved it also and they'd like open for each other and they would bash on each other but they were friends like they'd be working across the street from each other and they'd go see each other and they were friends all were very different now this film also has a bunch of other actors some of you may not know it like shirley mclean was in this red skeleton was in it george raff um buddy lester the one that stands out for me is the technical one of the villains of yeah. heroes, Cesar Romero, the first Joker, <laughs> with his mustache, which you saw. And it's very awkward how that whole connection happens. But um, this was an, this film inspired the second film we're talking about. And this film, for its time, made a... Well, it made $5 million. So just to clarify, we're talking about Ocean's Eleven. Yes, the original Ocean's Eleven. Now, first off, we have... A copy which is in color, but 
by in color, we mean that they colored the black and white print. Technicolored. They go and color it in after the fact. So it looks a little weird, but... No, it looks dynamic. Dynamic for its time. So the whole premise of the original film, of the original Ocean's Eleven, is... Back in the day when Vegas was brand new and it was in the middle of the desert. And the mob ran everything. And, you know, casinos were... Buildings were single floor... Hotels and casinos, you know, a little bit lower key than what you know today. You had a group of World War II veterans from setting up a heist. Because they were from the 82nd Airborne, and they decided, because of reasons, that they were going to make a heist on five Las Vegas casinos. The Sahara... The Riviera, the Desert Inn, the Sands, and the Flamingo. I'm pretty sure all those casinos no longer exist. The Sands, the Desert, the Sahara, they're all gone. They don't exist anymore. They've all transitioned into something else. But. And so so these World War veterans are going to have all their friends, these four friends, simultaneously rob five casinos. And when we say World War veterans, it was uh, most people fought, it, most able-bodied men fought in that war. So it's not necessarily a su- super far stretched. It was just they were. That's how all of those guys knew each other. They're they from the pals. same. They're from the same platoon, and that's right. how they worked together. Right. And their heist was going to be very easy. They were going to break into the casinos during New Year's Eve. Uh, they were going to, well, what they're going to do is on New Year's Eve, they're going to blow up an electric transmission tower, and the power goes down in all the casinos, and then they're going to mug every single one, because they're going to memorize where all the entryways, all the stuff is, and it was easier back then, because you just knock on a door, there's no electric security, there's a guy there. So you're not they, were, the... they weren't, you know, video cameras, surveillance, it wasn't electronic money, it was all cold hard cash, and they were using... This glow-in-the-dark paint, but it wasn't just glow-in-the-dark. You had to have special goggles to see it so that they would know where to go and and all of that. So they would go in, get the money, then they would dump them into garbage cans, and then their friend worked as a sanitation worker would pick up them and hide it in the, in the dump, and then they'd pick up the money eventually. They'd go back to the dump and get the money out. After a few weeks. Pretty good idea. The only problem is that Goes off without a heist. Um, without a hitch. Yeah. And the ironic thing is that Vegas, especially then, was really run by the mob. And the irony of it all being that the mob runs sanitation. Yeah. You know. And w- our quote-unquote hero, Cesar Romero, is a reformed mobster who wants to marry one of the guy's mothers. Like, he's, 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 he's going out with her, and so he's the stepdad of one of the guys who's going to steal the money. He makes a deal with the mob bosses that he's going to get a percentage. And he thinks that it's a mob organization that did it. He's like, oh, mob organization did it. And the mob's like, no, nah, we weren't involved in this. We didn't do this. And then he kind of thinks that, he kind of figures out what happened, but by the time... By the time all of the casinos, the power comes back on... They all call the police department, and the police start shutting down Vegas. Now, because it's a town in the middle of the desert, it's easy to shut it down because you can't, there's no way in. There's one road in, one road out. So 
when you close that down, there's there's nowhere for these guys to go. So as they check each vehicle, they're going to be found. So kind of brilliant using a dump truck. You know, they're not going to check it. They offer, hey, go ahead. You want to check it? They're like, no, no, no. Keep going. Keep going. They could have done that. However, when they get the money, they decide they're going to, because one of the one of the heistmen dies in the middle of the street after, well. Something goes wrong. Let's just be honest. He has a heart attack. It's simple. He has a heart attack, dies. And so what they're going to do is they're going to take the money. They're going to give the widow a percentage of the money. And they're going to put the cash in his coffin. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to send it back to the widow. They're going to meet the widow, get the money, the end. They're good. However, what they didn't take into consideration, and something which I forgot to talk about in antagonisms, is you have people who think they're doing the right thing and they're not. And it was a funeral director decides to say, hey, listen. No, the wife gets decides that he's well, going to. The director tells him, convinces her to do it. Cremated. And they go straight from dropping the money off in the casket and the um, services to straight into the furnace. And all the money burns up. With the exception of the money that they've given the. The widow. The widow. And it just ends like that. And something I think that's very clever is that when you look at the Sands, the hotel marquee board, the place where they put all the names, it has all the Rat Pack, all the people who are the movie's names on the marquee. Mm-hmm. Almost as end credits. So it's a very quick, very easy movie. The heist is very simple. It's a little convoluted seeing how they're like, oh, we're, no one's going to notice that we're going to be spray painting this stuff onto the doors. Oh, they got away with it. It's a good movie for their time. It's a good robbery. It's a good idea. It would have worked. And this one, the main group is known as Ocean's Eleven. That's how they're known. It's not the... Because oh, Danny Ocean's the ringleader. Yes, he's the one name who's the same no matter what throughout the, the films. And it's one where... They have lots of wisecracks and it's kind of borderline musical comedy, but... It's, But they don't, because technically they're the bad guys, even though they're the heroes of the movie, they're the thieves. So for the time, they weren't allowed to keep the money. That's not how movies were. You can't have the bad guys win. So I like the remake. Well, we're going to get to the remake in a second now. One last thing beforehand. When they told Sinatra about this jo- the movie, he said, forget the movie. Let's just pull the job. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. And so with that in mind, let's get to the actual remake, which I know you totally are excited to talk about. I love this movie. And this was directed by Steven Soderbergh and produced by Jerry Whitebrow. It's based on the original um, Ocean's Eleven, and it's got a... Amazing cast. Now, the cast is not as cool as the Rat Pack was back then. No, they are pretty cool. They are pretty cool, but they're not as cool as the Rat Pack was back then. But they're the closest we could have had. I mean, you have Matt Damon, Carl Reiner, Sabo Jin, Don Cheadle, Eddie Jemson, Scott Kahn, uh, Casey Affleck, Elliot Gould, Brad Pitt, Bernie Mac, George Clooney, Andy Garcia, Julia Roberts, and then... You got a good cast. I mean, Brad Pitt and George Clooney alone are... Basically, Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin. Yeah, and it's funny that uh, you had uh, 
uh, Casey Affleck in the movie. That was kind of funny that they got him in there. Because you, they didn't get Matt. Uh, not Matt, Ben. True. And the movie is, well... Awesome. The movie is wonderful. It's iconic, and as a heist film goes, it is probably one of the most thorough and thought-out heist films. It's not violent. The last one was a little bit violent because they brought out guns that we're going to shoot you or club you unless you give us the money. This one was... There were still guns. Engaging and increasing. Now, if you haven't seen Ocean's Eleven, the original, uh, the 2001 Stop remake, what you're doing right now and go watch it. Yes, and since it's been more than 15 years, it's... Statue of Libertations have passed, so we're going to give a little bit of spoilers about this movie. Some, not all of it, because some of the things are, some of the twists are still fun. But I love this movie. I've seen it enough times to where I know all the little bloopers, all the little flubs. I've read about it. I heard the director's commentary. I know, you know, Brad Pitt and George Clooney um, ad-libbed a lot in there, which was kept in, which is just hilarious. Very... Frank Sinatra, and Martin one of the did. funniest things of all is during one of the scenes where they introduce one of the characters, Basher, one of he's doing a different job. One of the people in doing the job is Steven Soderbergh. He's <laughs> actually one of the, the the henches. So, and this these aren't henches. That's the thing I like. It's not henches. They're a cohesive group. It's not one guy. It's the leader. It's they're working together. They're a collective. And so to explain this, Danny Ocean, our main character, played by George Clooney, just got out of prison. And That's how the movie starts. He violates his parole immediately by meeting an old friend and trying to set up a job. Now, what is this job? Easy and simple. He's going to go to Vegas, and he's going to rob not one, not two, not five, but three casinos. The Bellagio, the Mirage, and the MGM Grand. It just so happens that they're all owned by the same guy. Yes, Terry Benedict. Also, they're going to be robbing it on the night of a fight night. So, it's going to be about $160 million in there. So, you divide this by the crew, you're going to get a nice chunk of change. Now, the thing is that, they, in order to do this, they have, first off, it's Danny Ocean is our mastermind, which we talked about. We're going to actually break down the different roles. Next, you have Rusty. Now, Rusty is Brad Pitt, and he is his fence. But he's also the the manager, if you will. The guys go to him with problems and questions. and He's the second in command. He's, he's the point man. He, he's the point man for the situation. You have uh, Bernie Mac in this as Frank Catton. He is their inside man. He's working as a dealer, and he's getting all the information, finding out all the clues on how to scam people in order to, and to get key cards whatnot. You have Elliot Gould playing Ruben Tishkoff. Now, Elliot Gould... Very cool guy, and in this one, he is playing an old-school casino owner. Like, he's an old-school mob. He's also a man who shook Sinatra's hand. And he hates Benedict with a passion. So he's going to fund their whole... He's the money man. He's funding the whole operation. You have Casey Affleck and Scott Kahn playing Mormon twins, pretty much meaning same dad, two different moms. They are born the same day. How that works. Or the same couple... Like, they're the same age. No, they're... They're the same age. That's the deal. Is at the same age, so it's how that works. Kind of crazy. Also, fun fact: Scott Con is the son of James Con, who we talked about in the last episode. So nice little line there. And they are the handymen. They're the ones who they are. They are essentially henches. They're what do we need? What do you need to do? We'll the do grunt it. Work, right. They're the henches. 
You have uh, Eddie Jemison as Livingston Dell. He is their gadget man, their electrician, their hacker. He's the one that gets their stuff done. You have Don Cheeto playing Basher. Now his job is munitions, explosives, demolition. They need something to go boom. He's their man. You have Carl Reiner playing Saul Bloom. And his job is he is... How did they put it in the movie? He's... The biggest L... Fitzgerald. He's the he's the he's the bait. He is a confidence man, a true confidence man. He's the one that will change his accent, act differently, remember things. And going back to James Kahn in uh, in Henry's Crime, he was a confidence man who did the same thing. They needed to get into the theater. He said, "I used to work here years ago, and I remember this happened at this point. I was here." And that's how he worked. And Saul does the same thing. Saul puts on a persona and that's how he... He's a big whale for the casino. He's a high roller. That's how it works. You have uh, Matt Damon playing Linus. Linus is a up-and-coming pickpocket. And he's, well... His role is to... Be a pickpocket. Yep. But he's got some problems. A couple problems. He's young. He's green. He's, you know... And then finally we have... Shabo Jin as the Amazing Yen, who is their grease man. Pretty much they need someone to fit into tight spaces, do things. That's his job. And they're all going to work together to pull this heist off. And as Greta said, their nemesis is Terry Benedict, a guy who is super rich. He's worth three quarters of a billion dollars. And he's allegedly super ruthless. Like, I think that Ruben said it best. This used to be civilized. You, you hit a guy, he'd whack you, that's it. But Benedict, you hit, you hit a guy, he'll, he'll go after you and all of your family and everyone you've ever known. So you don't mess around. And to make things worse, Benedict is also dating Danny's ex-wife, Tess, who's played by Julia Roberts. And so it becomes a question of, are they able to... Pull off this heist, and will Danny choose... He has to choose between making the heist or getting his ex-wife back. And how will this all work out? And it's a huge... It's not even a, it's not a clusterfuck. It is a perfect Swiss watch of timing with all of what happens. Everything interlocks, and even when they hit small mistakes, it just... They're able to... They're in tune and in sync with each other. They roll with it. What I love is... That as they're explaining the job to each other, as they're pitching it, the job starts going. You know, they're narrating their own... um, They're narrating their own movie. By explaining it to each other, they start going for it. It's just like... It moves. Boom, boom, boom. You know, next step, next step, next step. And it it just starts... Like you said, it goes completely onto a huge... It's like a... Uh, avalanche happening it's just a small small snowball and it turns into a huge avalanche because of what happens and how everything works out and this actually set up a whole franchise of films but this one is the quintessential one this is the best one this is oceans 11 it is oceans 11 and now to compare the two here's the differences one in the first film it's okay you have 11 members but you focus on four of them and each one has their role I mean, 
You have... Uh, There's still lesser roles. You have Jimmy Foster, played by Peter Lanford, Danny Ocean, played by Frank Sinatra, and Sammy Davis Jr. is Josh, and then Dean Martin is Sam Hammond. The rest of them, you don't really like, okay, they're random guys, like Curly and Mushy and Roger. It's like, you don't remember them. Like Clem Harvey. You don't remember Clem Harvey. He's just a guy. They're kind of like, once you get past the, the, the main five, the rest of them fall to the background. Meanwhile, in Ocean's Eleven, the new one, it becomes they're a cohesive unit. Each one has their 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 pluses and minuses, and they're interesting and not, and they all interact like a weird, creepy family. Like they're able to deal with each other in different ways. Like there's constantly whatever uh, the amazing Yen is going to do a stunt. They're like, "Hey, I bet Teddy's going to screw. He's going to f- fail twenty, <laughs> and they're like betting against him." But they're side bets. They're some of them are new to the group. Some of them have known each other one way or another and so you know they're a group of people collaboratively learning how to work together and or who've worked together before and it's it's interesting like when they meet basher he's like oh it's good to work with proper villains again it's like you work with old friends again and then saul he's known danny for years i'm curious if he actually went to to danny's wedding because he finds out that tess is there's like tess is there she's with benedict she's too tall for him this is a very quotable movie. There are hundreds of quotes from this, from that movie. From the original one, not too many quotes, I will say. So, one thing I do have to mention is that the original Ocean's Eleven is a film which is, it's like a quote-unquote musical comedy, but it's not like you're going to laugh out loud laugh. Well, maybe you did back in the day, but unfortunately for us, we didn't find it funny. But... The 2001 version, you will laugh your ass off. There are just funny little dumb moments that happens. Some of it's ad-lib, some of it's really creative. Like, there's a point when they're going to do something really big during the heist, and it's all coming down to just batteries not working. Like, saying, what, what the hell's going on? Did you check the batteries? Oh, like, you know, sometimes things will go wrong. People, someone will get hurt when these things happen, and they're just like... Well, they say you lose sight for one second... And then just something happens. It's just like kind of funny with that. And just other little things. Like the Malloy twins are hysterical. Just because they're these bickering brothers that are just constantly trying to screw each other over. Even when they're... They're just annoying, but in an endearing way. And even not in a just uh, comical way or like just like, oh, we're going to be bullying each other. They do little brother things. Like at one point it's like, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Quit it. I'm not touching you. If anybody else, both Zan and I are younger siblings... But if anybody else has a sibling, you have done this at one point or another. It's that or, or, or chiding each other or just doing dumb things. And lawyers are great. And the movie's just very comical in general. And there are some fun points in that, too. Now, the difference in the ending where it's... Um, not going to get too far into what happens at the ending, but Danny does go back to prison. That's one thing I will say. Danny goes back to prison. So he does go back. And but unlike in the original where all the money's burned up, the all the money's not burned up in this one. This one the money's burned up, but it may be different moving parts. Stuff happened. It has a different ending than the original one. Yes, and you don't have a a quote unquote good guy in it because the good guys are the villains. Let's say because there's no real good cop or good because they make Terry Benedict the bad guy. Yeah, they make their bad guys, but Terry Benedict's a horrible guy. Or he's just a greedy guy who's just trying to be greedy. He's a ruthless casino owner, businessman. 
mob ties to the mob. I don't know. That's a good way to put it. And if you look in the original uh, casting for this, originally Linus was supposed to be played by Johnny Depp. So instead of Matt Damon, it was Johnny Depp. Luke and Owen Wilson were going to be the Malloy twins. And then uh, Mike Myers, uh, Bruce Willis, Ewan McGregor, Alan Arkin, and Ray Fiennes were supposed to be in this movie. But they all dropped out. And they created a nice little cohesive unit which worked. It's a dysfunctional family. And it, it works just really well, I gotta say. Now... Is there anything else we could say about this? Well, it has been adapted into a musical in Japan. There's a Bollywood version called Happy New Year, which is more based on the original film, where it's taking place during New Year's Eve. But I, I mean, it, this this movie is set up to where it's just enjoyable. And like I said, I've seen it a million times. That I still love this movie. I love to quote it. I have different favorite parts. I get excited about different things. But I also love the movies that follow. But that doesn't matter in this film because this film is standalone. Yes. This one's standalone. It's not the, and you have to wait for this to happen. It's no. Here's how the movie ends. And it's a strong film. It is a very strong film. And I've got to say, for an $85 million film to make $450 million, I think it did good. Just a bit. Like I said... It's one of my all-time favorite movies. If you've never seen it, stop what you're doing right now and go watch this movie. So, to finish out our MVPs for the movie, obviously, well, Ocean's Eleven, the original, I have to say the MVP is probably um, Dean Martin or Sammy Davis Jr. because they pull a lot of weight in the movie. Mm -hmm. They do work pretty hard. And in Ocean's Eleven, the remake, the 2001 Ocean's Eleven, I've got to say... Because it doesn't get a lot of love, I gotta say Carl Reiner gets is uh, is uh, the MVP. For me, it's Rusty. It's not Saul. It's no, not because Saul has the best lines of the I movie. I love Saul, but for me, it's Rusty, okay. played by Brad Pitt, okay. who eats the entire movie. Which is a running joke of the movie. Now, our LVP for the movie, I've gotta say, well. In the original one, I would say Clem Harvey because no one remembers who the hell he is. And in the cameo in the new one, there is no one. Well, even the cameos are worked well. It just it... there are no LVPs in this movie. LVPs. It's a good length. It's engaging. It holds up. You still want to watch it. It's pure fun. It's one of the best films out there. And well, I love it. Yeah. It also, something we didn't even talk about was the specific heist scene we didn't discuss either. Because well, you said no spoilers. True, but it's something I could bring up is the heist scene. In the original one, when the heist scene occurs, power's out, and they're going through and doing their thing in the original film. And in the sequel, it's not just the power goes out, it's so many more moving parts are happening. It's the heist film, the heist starts like five hours before the heist happens, all with little things here and there. Someone setting up a meeting to meet with Mr. Benedict. Another person saying, oh, wait, I need a moment of your time. Or putting something into a vault at some point. It's, There's so many things that have to happen. It's so many things that have to happen. And 
We will probably talk about the other parts of the Oceans series because there are four sequels or three sequels, depending on how you look at it. And supposedly there's going to be another one. You know how it's going to be, but... And we actually re actually reviewed one of the, the early ones. We talked about Oceans 8. We did. With how different that was from this one. But, again, so... Out of our rating system, I'm going to have to give this a really, really, really fucking cool. It's a great movie. It's great to own. It's one I recommend. And it's worth watching over and over again. It's fun just to watch the little things and just see the little moments. Like how... And the interactions between characters. Like Danny and Rusty just going off on something like... Oh, why do they always paint it this color? The walls this color? Ah, it's supposed to be very soothing. I don't know what you're talking about. They say taupe is very soothing. Huh, really? And then later on in the in the sequels, the same thing happens. Like It's like, are you crying? No, I, I wasn't crying. Are you, are you watching Oprah Winfrey? No? With the sound on full volume... I was just trying to try to sleep. It does, or like the oh, he's a bastard. He called you. He called. He called the wake up call at three in the morning. He's a bastard. <laughs> just seeing their interaction is great. And so for the original Oceans Eleven, I have to say it's worth watching once on theaters. Uh, worth watching once streaming or on DVD. The original with the original. It's the worth backpack? watching once. You watch it once to see how it is. It's okay. It's a little dated because some of the things are now made. Useless because there's no cell phones, there's no electronic cash, and it's just old school. Just if you like classic movies, it's a must. But I think it's worth watching once. Yeah, check it out once. Put yourself in the mindset. And actually, I gotta admit, the wardrobe in that movie. And I don't talk about wardrobe very much. The wardrobe in the remake is awesome, but the old one had some nice wardrobe too. It's like everyone was classic, classy, classic. So, what would you say for the two films? Would you give them the same ratings? Yeah, I say the original, you definitely need... It's, I would look at it as resource material. Um, as a... as You'll pe pick up on different things in, in the current movie, but try to take it into context. And just know that our heroes of the movie don't win, because technically they're the bad guys. Set yourself up for that. Um, but as far as the remake, Ocean's Eleven, with Brad Pitt and George Clooney, really, really, really effing cool... I give it my highest rating. I think you should own it. I think you should watch it again. I think I should go watch it again. We should watch it again. Right now. Not right now. Big I think. popcorn, watch it again. I think we should watch something else. But anyway, so yeah, so that's it for this episode. For That's it for this review, I think. I think we should call it in the, you know, pop it in. And now for the next episode of the Spark Emotion Picture Review. Well, um... Don't know. On the one hand, I'm excited to do some more, but we're going to kind of... Take a break? Not take a break from doing this, the movie review, but we're going to just, um, I don't know. At this point, because we love doing the movie review, but the movie review is kind of draining because you got to get it all set up and finding movies which are old and good for the dodecahedron. Is this the last Spark and Motion Picture review? No, 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 no not by a long shot. We're going to be doing a bunch of live action reviews of movies coming out, and we're probably going to come back doing some more with some other segments i'm thinking maybe the next one we'll do is like we'll do another theme month and i'm thinking maybe we'll figure out a way to do bond because supposedly bond is next year i don't know uh Ooh, i would love to do a bond one yeah bond would be good I love bond movies or we'll do godzilla or so maybe we'll do we'll do that as the next one i should roll for with the dodecahedron of movies but i feel that 
just for reasons, just... Cause well, I feel like we need to go watch the rest of the Oceans trilogy right now. Because this got kind of late, let's be honest. We're, um, this was actually a month behind schedule, so I am sorry about that. It's been a month. It just things kept piling up, and that kind of, well, let's be honest, it made things rough with this, and I'm... Well, actually, this is horrible because I'll keep it the manga review on, on, on site, but the movie review... Well, I would say getting married and then going into con season was time-consuming. Yeah, that was time-consuming, and then just trying to get everything else done, yeah. So, but we're going to we're gonna kind of, the Spyrokin motion picture review, we're going to kind of reevaluate, fix up, hone, we're going to do... Let us know your thoughts. Are there movies that you love... That we have to see or have to review. Do you love this? Do you want to hear more of it? Let us know. Let us know what you think. So, um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, with that in mind... I'm Greta. And my favorite quote of this movie... I mean, every quote of this movie. I think I have favorites come and go. But I think my favorite quote is... Now what? Now comes a girl. She comes down after him if they're in a snit. Where'd she come from? Museum up there, she's a curator. Oh, here she is. This is just the best part of my day. Still don't know if we can use her yet. Actually, I haven't even caught her name. Tess. Huh? Her name is Tess. And my favorite quote from 2001's Ocean's Eleven, we're not even going to do the 60s because I don't remember any of the quotes from it, is going to be... You guys. What do you got against Terry Benedict? What do you have against him? That's the question. He torpedoed my casino muscled me out. Now he's gonna blow it up next month to make way for some gaudy monstrosity. Don't think I don't see what you're doing. What are we doing, Ruben? You're gonna steal from Terry Benedict. You better goddamn know. This sort of thing used to be civilized. You'd hit a guy, he'd whack you done. But with Benedict, at the end of this, not know you're involved, not know your names, or think you're dead because he'll kill you, and then he'll go to work on you. That's why we have to be very careful, very precise. Mm, well funded. Yeah. You gotta be nuts, too. And you're gonna need a crew as nuts as you are. So oh, I have another favorite one. Oh, we'll, we'll use that for our Stinger quote. I can yeah. be here. All night listening all the quotes, but when they're trying to get um, Matt Damon into the building, he goes, Hey, so you're from Chicago. You like it up there? You're you're so-and-so's son. No, that's nice. Get in the goddamn house. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're gone, so we'll catch you guys next time. See ya. Bye.
Keep your eye on Danny Ocean. He's the quiet guy in the middle of it all. He's the guy with the big idea. He's calling a summit meeting of his own, and it's going to be a summit to top them all. Now, all he needs are 11 men, like, say, 11 ex-paratroopers from his old outfit. And you'd be amazed where you can find an ex-paratrooper these days. You look in a bar, and there's Harmon playing alcoholic piano. Or you turn up DSM winner Josh in a fleet of trash trucks. Jimmy Foster is sure to be wherever there's the most of anything. A guy like Bergdorf's been playing some very long odds. And Mushy's sticking close to the money. But when Danny called, they came. And what they heard was a plan of independent initiative and individual enterprise to stir the spirit of every swinging citizen. come off like a charm same here fantastic oh danny what a prize you are the only husband in the world who'd proposition his own wife well i married you once and it didn't work out too well so what's wrong with a little hey hey get her out of here hey give me a little kiss sound idea it's constructive you yeah. wait right there and i'll be there in a minute yeah, i'll wait for you <laughs> Sam, how are you? Oh, same as always. I move, I breathe, I seem to feel the thrill of life along the keel. You sound like a ferry boat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a ferry boat. I'm a very manly sloop. Wherever I go, people stare at me in dumb admiration. And yeah, what happens when they speak? What's so funny? I knew this color would come in handy one day. <laughs> hey, Josh. Yeah? How do you get the stuff off? Well, what I usually... Please state your name for the record. Daniel Ocean. You have been implicated in over a dozen other confidence schemes and frauds. What do you think you would do if released? I don't know. How much do you guys make a year? It's never been done before. You want to knock over a casino? Three casinos? You gotta be nuts. Exactly. This place houses a security system that rivals most nuclear missile silos. Smash and grab job, huh? Slightly more complicated than that. Oh, yeah. You'd need at least a dozen guys doing a combination of cons. Ten ought to do it, don't you think? You think we need one more? You think we need one more? All right, we'll get one more. We're just supposed to walk out of there with $150 million in cash without getting stopped? Yeah. It'll be nice working with proper villains again. Two, one. Why don't you check the batteries? 
Now they tell me that I paid my debt to society. Funny, I never got a check. Scared? You suicidal? Congratulations, you're a dead man. He'll kill you. And then he'll go to work on you. Someone call for a doctor? Here comes a girl. You're a thief and a liar. I only lied about being a thief. Why do this? Because the house always wins. Unless, when that perfect hand comes along, you bet big, and then you take the house. Been practicing this speech, haven't A little bit. Did I rush it? Felt like I rushed it. That was good. It. I liked it. You're either in or you're out. Right now. I saw you at the paddock before the second race outside the men's room when I placed my bet. I saw you before you even got up this morning. How you been, Sol? Never better. What's with the orange? My doctor says I need vitamins. So why don't you take vitamins? You come here to give me a physical? Box seats, come on. <laughs>